Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman. I am extremely delighted to be talking to Adrian Tomina today. He's the author of Scenes from an Impending Marriage, Shortcomings, Summer Blonde, Sleepwalk, 32 Stories, and the comic book series Optic Nerve. He's also an illustrator for The New Yorker, Esquire, and Rolling Stone. He lives in Brooklyn. And The Loneliness of the Long Distance Cartoonist is his latest. Adrian, welcome. It sounds like you've had a very glamorous life. That's my takeaway <laughs> from reading your graphic memoir. Well, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me on your show. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's probably everybody's takeaway <laughs> take from reading the book, right? Um, tell, tell me a little bit about writing something autobiographical in which you are a character mm -hmm. um, and, and why we seem to remember the absolute worst things that happened to us. Do you? Is that, are, you are you saying you, uh, you feel I, I, the same? I, uh, I recognize myself there. Yeah. Um, well... I think um, this was an I, a book that I had in mind for a long time, um, probably even going back decades ago, because since I was always making comics, um, whenever something bad happened to me in my life, even as a child, as a teenager, especially as an adult, there was always some well-meaning person who would try and console me by saying that this will be great material someday. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually it would just infuriate me and I'd be <laughs> ang angry that they were <laughs> not sympathizing with me and just thinking of it as a funny comic strip in the future or something. But um, so I think this book, um, like many of my other books, is some subconscious way of trying to, to make my life not feel pointless to, 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 to make that little, um, that phrase about this will be good material someday actually, actually <laughs> come, <laughs> come true. Um, and, uh, to, I guess I, I feel like I'm such a generally such a negative cynical person, but I think in some way this is sort of optimistic. It's sort of like yes. trying to, to say, let me take those horrible experiences and, and try and make something positive out of them, which is, Sounds strange coming out of my mouth now as I say it. <laughs> but yeah, there is a, a level of comedy in it. There's a level of you absolutely understanding that there's a level of narcissism to it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, if... Well, it's also, I've always, I think for the last several books of mine, each next book is always sort of in response to the, to the previous mm. one. Um, when I finished my last book, uh, which was called Killing and Dying, I'd been working on it for so long, and uh, it actually took me about seven years, and I just completely trained my mind to work in that mode of trying to come up with similar stories of a similar length and mm -hmm. a similar tone. And even after the book was published, I was still thinking of like, oh, here's another idea that would fit in that book, even though it, the door was closed. And um, I ended up with about two or three of those stories in mind. And I thought, eh, let me put those in a drawer for now, because I don't think the, uh, the limited appeal of my limited audience does not want, um, you know, the, I, I don't want to, I don't want to tax them and do like killing and dying part two, you know, like right after, um, uh, <laughs> at least I not just, right. 
right I, after, not on I'm the heels only, of it. I'll only speak for myself, but uh, <laughs> open that drawer pretty soon. Okay, <laughs> thank you. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice to hear. But I, I really do, for, for my own sanity, I guess, if not mm -hmm. for unimagined audiences, I, I kind of want to do something different with each book, sure. at least different from the one prior. And so um, the idea of doing a black and white autobiographical memoir comedy kind of thing felt about as different as, as I might be capable of, you know, I'm not going to do a science fiction right, <laughs> right, ad right. adventure story or something. So it seemed like it was a good choice for, for a next book for me. And it just so happens that loneliness is such a, a major theme in the, I mean, it's in the title. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been talking to so many authors during the pandemic who have this experience that they've been writing by themselves all alone for so long. Yeah. And then when their books come out, what, in that moment that you're supposed to be social mm. and hugging friends and enjoying it, it's also kind of, it's lonely. Yeah, I, um, I, I, understand, <laughs> I understand that. And I think I had that experience for maybe a day. I think mm -hmm. um, it was it was sort of the whole process of of coming to grips with what releasing a book right now would look like was um, really slow. I was I was just talking to someone, and I was saying that what a lot of the movies about pandemics and disasters yeah. have always gotten wrong is that they always everything is announced and clear at once and you suddenly realize mm. what the new world is. It's not, and for us, it was like this drips and drabs of like, let's push it back a little bit, let's delay it, let's change it. Oh no, it's canceled and, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and everything just keeps slowly evolving like that. So I had a lot of time to think about what the release of this book might look like. And when it was finally decided we were just gonna pretty much cancel everything, I think I had about a day or two of feeling disappointed. And then very shortly, I started thinking about how awkward this book would have been to go out and promote <laughs> in person and how I was dreading going to the various cities where I knew that people I depicted lived and there was a chance that I would run into them. And I also knew that, I mean, this happens a lot, but more than any other book, I knew this would be the one where people would want to know like, Who's this about? Who's that? <laughs> and <laughs> did this really happen? And um, so I suddenly felt this relief that I would not have to <laughs> go out into the world and um, talk to strangers about such an intimate book. Um, I guess, you know, mostly I'm, I'm disappointed because it, it is my once or twice a decade chance to travel around and see friends who live mm -hmm. in different parts of, of the world. Um, so I was sad to lose that experience. But, um, but other than that, I, I have this feeling like, you know, I wouldn't mind if this was the way I promoted books <laughs> going forward. Um, so much of the book is about the promotion of other books and comics. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah I, my, my main thought was that you have a scene at what I assume to be, uh, you know, I won't ask you, um, the Javits Center. <laughs> and um, when I was reading this uh, the first time, 
I, I believe it was just announced that the Javits Center had become a hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that's, there's nothing wrong with uh, uh, conceding that, yeah, that, that was the Javits Center. There, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm nervous about identifying to specifically, but who cares about that? Yeah. Um, um, and, and I was thinking about just the idea of dying at the mm. Javits Center. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that you could have literal figuratively and literally died yeah. at the at the Javits Center. Um yeah, that anecdote um there's a for some reason a lot of anxiety for me about um conventions whether they're book industry conventions or comic industry conventions and something almost always goes horrible at these <laughs> at, at these <laughs> at these events for me. Um I don't know if it's just me or if everybody has, it's, maybe it's just the law of averages. You have so many human interactions mm -hmm. in, the, in those spaces that something's bound to go wrong. Um, but yeah, that, that Javits Center one, um, it's, it's hard for me to sometimes talk about the anecdotes within the book because my version that's in the book has now completely overwritten actual, actual. Re <laughs> actual reality. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I do remember that one was actually um, basically like I did it in the book, and my very minimal event was completely drowned out by this incredible. It, this was one of the hardest. This to me really reminded me of some of the limitations of the medium of comics because it's it's an auditory thing that I couldn't right. quite. I was trying to convey visually, but it really was like the sound of a distant ocean, like <laughs> like thunderous waves crashing but from far away, but it was so loud and muffled that my voice was obscured. And then as we say in the book, we had to stop the event and we were so curious what the sound was. We, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the host looked it up on his phone and found that, um, who is it that I, it's one of the Kardashians. One of the, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 highly, uh, I don't know. <laughs> one of, yeah. One of them. A, a Kardashian was there promoting a book and that was creating, the sound I heard was the applause. <laughs> You know, we got the get the big authors into that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and then also your publisher has a role in your book. Mm -hmm. um, tell me Chris. about that. Um, well, he's actually not the publisher anymore. He. Um, oh, I mean, drawn in quarterly. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, as uh, well. OK. Yeah. So as drawn, <laughs> no, drawn quarterly is still my publisher. There was um, a change in 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 leadership a few years right. ago where, where the, the founder, um, my, my old friend, Chris decided he wanted to go back to being a cartoonist rather mm -hmm. than dealing with invoices and shipping and things like that. Um, and then, uh, and then my friend Peggy Burns took over. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so in the book there's, there is an appearance by Chris who at the time was my, was my publisher. And, um, uh, I don't know how, how he feels about it. I'm, I'm a little nervous to hear, but um, <laughs> other, other people have, have told me that I, I, I captured at least an aspect of him pretty well. <laughs> that's, that's lovely. Um, tell me about, you're, you're very honest about all of the, the criticism you've received yeah. and um, being vulnerable like that sounds terrifying to me. I think I've had a long defensive history of trying to short circuit my critics in a way by, 
publishing negative letters in my comic. Um, and this book is another example of that where I'm actually quoting verbatim long yes. chunks of, of negative reviews that I got either in print or in person. Um, so it's, I think some people look at it like, oh, it's so, so bold of you and I can't believe you have the strength to do that. But it's actually very, um, it's a childish and weak <laughs> <laughs> way, of, way of protecting myself in a strange way, I think. And, and then of course, there, there's a part of the book in which you admit that um, hiding behind comics is the ultimate defense mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, going back, uh, part of the reason that the, the book spans such a, a, a big part of my life is because I had an experience that I described later in the book that, that sent my mind back into the past and mm -hmm. examining a lot of these things that I show in the book. And I, I one of the many depressing takeaways for me was that <laughs> since, since um, uh, you know, I think I was probably two years old when I first started making comics. Um, supposedly there's like kind of fake comics that I was making then before I even knew how to write, but I knew that oh, there yeah. had to be bubbles with something that looked like words in them. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, it, I mean, maybe this is true of, of all hobbies if you delve deep enough into them, but uh, I think it's pretty clear that for me, comics was, was something that appealed to me and that I was a fan of and that interested me, but also was the cheapest and easiest coping mechanism of, mm -hmm. of um, uh, I don't know, going through family upheavals and moving to new towns and starting in new schools and uh and just as as my life evolved i think uh i found ways to, <laughs> to adapt that same process to new new to avoid and and, yeah. and distract from new challenges it, it still seems to be a method through which you process um the events of, of your world yeah, I think um, it's a it's a way of processing, and um, in in recent years, I think at least with the last couple books, it's become a way also for me to express things that I think are uncomfortable for me to do directly, and mm -hmm. um, that was definitely clear with uh, killing and dying. Which, and and when I say express things, I think to the average reader, it's it's nebulous and, and metaphorical, but I think to a handful of people who know me very well mm -hmm. that I think they see very clear messages uh, to them in these books. And I think it's um, most explicitly so in, in the new book where I sort of contrive ways to, to basically write letters to my daughters and um, give heartfelt speeches to my wife and, and things like that. I think I'm used to a level of um, sarcasm or in your writing, and um, so it's, it really <laughs> yeah you have a oh. seems seems strange, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, that I mean that was a, that was a intentional challenge I mm -hmm. posed for myself. I think with um, going back to my book shortcomings, mm -hmm. all, all of the books that I've done since then have been a little bit of me seeing if I can rise to a challenge that I find intimidating. 
Um, so shortcomings had to do with addressing topics that have had been posed to me that people had asked mm. me about for a long time and that I had sort of defiantly avoided. And then that was me throwing myself right into it. And um, killing and dying had a lot to do with, can I move beyond the type of story that I used to do about young single people in the Bay Area? And can I write more from the heart about the things that I actually was feeling by that time about becoming a parent and mm -hmm. concerns about mortality and, and, and things like that. And, and with this, um, you know, there's a long tradition of confessional autobiographical cartooning and I've been a fan of that work for a long time, but I've mostly avoided it as an artist. And so this was one of those challenges that I always felt was on the distant horizon. And I always thought that if I was ever going to approach it, that there were certain obligations I had to, to myself and to the form and that I didn't want to do a 200 page autobiographical book that in the end didn't really say much or you didn't learn, learn much about me or I didn't reveal anything. Um, so it was, it was by design that I steered it in directions that almost from, from the first page that I felt uncomfortable with. And I had to trick myself into thinking that, maybe it would never be published and maybe it wouldn't mm -hmm. be seen, seen by anyone. So to just do it for, for, for the pure uh, experience of getting it done on paper. Tell me about, uh, you've, you've portrayed your, your wife before in your comics. Tell me about uh, doing that again with your, your wife and children. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's, I, I've never had a, a studio, so I've just always worked at home, even in the, the midst of having <laughs> two children, um, in the midst of everybody being home for quarantine, I've I've just uh, always worked in the corner of of a of a bedroom, um, and so all my work is always visible. The the page that I'm working on at any given time is just sitting on a desk, and the previous pages are usually tacked up on a bulletin board above my desk. So it's kind of um, my my wife and kids just have sort of instant access to whatever ever I'm working on. And with this book, I thought it was very interesting, the fact that for the first hundred or so pages, there seemed to be very little interest from the family. And then when I started approaching the present day and <laughs> my wife appeared as a character, suddenly she started reading each page and, and giving feedback <laughs> and commenting on things. And then when the kids appeared, um, I mean, my youngest one is probably a little too young, but my, my 10 year old daughter was coming home from school and going right to the drawing board and seeing, <laughs> seeing what I'd done. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, at a certain point, she surpassed the, the point that I was in drawing the final draft of the book. And I found her in my studio and she'd found the little um, folder that I did the rough draft of the book in and she had skipped ahead and was reading the rest of the book in, in its rough draft form because she wanted to see how it ended. Um, so, um, I, I, I mean, I haven't heard a lot of feedback from any of them. You know, I know that they were, they were interested to read it. Um, they might be harboring some sort of grudge about how they were portrayed or something. Um, I think my wife might feel like she's generally been portrayed as kind of a Pollyanna, like, um, that I 
use her as a foil to right. my to my right. cynicism and, and negativity. And, yes, yeah. which which in in some ways is is accurate, but that's only <laughs> of course one one small dimension of, sure. her, of her personality. Sure. Um, you know, I I am a little nervous about how my kids will feel about their portrayal when they're older and they look back at this and if you know Nora is embarrassed that I drew her having a tantrum in Penn Station. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do? She was hungry. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you so much. I would love to ask what you'd other books you'd recommend reading. As soon as we finish this call, I'm going to walk over to community books and pick up my order that I placed. Uh, and that includes uh, the new novel by Otessa Moshfeg. Yes. Uh, I think it's called Death in, Death in Her Hands. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. And also um, a book called Ant Kind by Charlie Kaufman. Oh, yes. Okay. Have you read yeah. them? You've read I them? I haven't read it yet. It's okay. one of those things where I'm so frightened to read it because I have so much invested in wanting yeah. to love it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so that's what's on the horizon. But I also did want to, um, I figured comics are a little bit of a, a novelty on this yeah. show. Yeah. So I wanted to mention a few things. Um, and I brought them here. One one of the books is 365 Days by an artist named Julie Doucet, who uh, is one of my favorite artists just in general, not just within comics, but just one of my favorite visual artists. And um, uh, this is a, a book about, it's basically she did kind of like a visual diary entry every day for a year. And it was definitely an influence on, on my new book. Um, and also I just wanted to mention um, my friend Richard Sala, who um, is, uh, he was one of my oldest friends back in California and kind of a mentor to me. And um, I've always felt that his work has kind of been underappreciated. Well, not anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I changed uh, everything. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Thanks really for having pleasure. me. It was great talking to you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.